Okay, sorry. Great, now it's on. Okay, because we are Christians in this world, we live at the point of conflict. Okay, so this is a spiritual battle. We're not like battling other people. Like, we're not battling other people. This is a spiritual battle. We're battling against sin and all of that, enta- all that entails. Okay, so the point of conflict, where the kingdom of God, where the kingdom of the world contradict. This battle is both internal and external. All right, I see this battle in myself all the time. I'm sure that you do too, whether you realize it or not. The choices that we make, every it's usually on a daily basis. Sometimes it's like a choice to sin or a choice not to sin. Um, it's often just like a choice for like the good or something that's less than. Okay, I was thinking about some examples. We have the choice whether we're going to like talk to the person next to us in class or whether we're going to scroll on our phone for a little bit longer and avoid that conversation whether we're going to wake up and have our prayer time or whether we're going to sleep and take a nap or whatever. We see this battle in ourselves, and I think, I think Lent is like actually a really good um, image of this. Like, has anybody um, like not followed through with their Lenten resolution yet? <laughs> a couple people, yeah. That's okay. Still time. Um, how often, okay, I love Paul's words when he says, in Romans, what I, what I do, I do not understand. For I do not do what I want, but I do what I hate. He says, the willing is ready at hand, but the doing good is not. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil I do not want. How often do we fall into that? Like, oh, why did I just do that? Like, I'm doing the thing I hate. Um, So we see this battle. There's these points of conflict in our lives all the time. Um, The people that we walk with, they're experiencing these points of conflict all the time. Okay, so there's an internal point of conflict. There's also the external. I love this quote. It's in your outline from Mother Teresa. This is what, um, this quote is like actually part of what made me want to be a missionary with SPO. She says, the greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There is a hunger for love as there is a hunger for God. That, is, that pretty much sums up our culture, I would say. Um, Pope Francis says in Evangelium, this is like a kicker, the great danger in today's world, pervaded as it is by consumerism, is the desolation and anguish born of a complacent yet covetous heart the feverish pursuit of frivolous pleasures, and a blunted conscience. Okay, that's like kind of like intense. Like, wow. That's the external point of conflict I'm talking about. Okay, we are not made for this world. We are not made for this world. So being in this world, we are going to experience that conflict. We're going to experience it. Okay, so... 
I'm really convicted about what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight, and I just want to invite you into that conviction. Um, this actually isn't just a conviction for me and for my own life, but I think it's a conviction for us as a people. So sometimes when, um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, like when you hear some, a story about somebody doing like some amazing thing, even like those testimonies, there's just something burning in my heart, like, yes, like I want that. And that like leads me to something higher. I'm encouraged by it. I'm called on by it. I want more of that. I remember one time, like, even driving to the office one day, and I was, like, listening to some song. I think it was, like, bluegrass, because I really love bluegrass. But it was just, like, beautiful. The music was beautiful. And I was, like, lifted and inspired. Like, I just want to serve today. God, I just want to serve you and your people today. I think when we encounter beauty, when we encounter truth, we can be drawn into something greater. Okay, sometimes we could hear, you could have heard those testimonies, and maybe this is you. You could have heard those testimonies, those glory stories, and said, like, I'm not good enough for that, or, like, I'm not brave enough to do that, or, well, they should have done it this way, or, like, you know, there's, like, lies and, like, things that are lower than, that, like, come and they bring us down. And right now, um, I just want to affirm that, like, the things that I say, like, let them lift you to the Lord. Be convicted by him to love him more, to love his people more, not anything else, not any of the lies, not any of the guilt, not any of what, whatever, whatever it is. So I just want to say that. Okay, so this spiritual battle, it's real. And it informs the way that we look at the world. Okay, so because God is real, and because Satan is real, and because there is a conflict, a battle, a war, because Jesus has not come again yet, that helps form my worldview. Okay, so I'm looking at everything like, I'm not made for this. Like, I want to go to heaven. Like, I want to bring these people with me. There's an urgency there. And it's not a cause for despair. I think those quotes, like, they can be kind of like, ugh, like, yeah, everybody's lonely and depressed and like, Wow, we could go on and on. But this isn't a cause for despair, but rather um, a call to be more rooted in Christ and be motivated by love and the love that we have experienced. Okay. Because Christ has won the battle. Amen? Because Christ has won the victory. And I was just so convicted about this. I was praying through this talk like, do I know that Jesus Christ has won the victory? Do I know that this is the point of Lent? Like, it's going to end in Easter. It's going to end in Holy Week, in Easter, because Jesus is going to rise. He rose for our sins. He died and rose for our sins. Do I know that every day? Do I live like that every day? I think that we often do. We do know that. We do know that in the depths of our heart. We do know that. But there are so many people who do not know that. There are so many people who live out of the fear, out of the anxiety, out of the loneliness of not knowing that Jesus Christ has died for their sins and rose again. Okay, so we don't have to go very far for mission. Some of you may be called to like do different mission and different things with your life. 
But right now, we don't need to go very far for mission. We don't need to like go to faraway lands to find how Jesus can work through us. Right? You know, Jesus called Peter while he was fishing and said, cast into the deep. He called him in what Peter was already doing. He said, cast into the deep. I think we can cast into the deep of where we are right now. And where we are right now are college campuses. Okay, someday you will not be on a college campus anymore. But right now, that's where you are. And I think it can be easy to like turn your eyes away from what's happening on campus. I think it's easy to like hide behind this community. I think it's easy. I remember being in college and like I had just come to have a relationship with Jesus and like I would spend like a lot of time in prayer and it actually wasn't like out of love for Jesus. It was like out of fear, <laughs> like fear of like going out. Like I know that sounds crazy, but like we are called um, to not, to not run away, to not hide, to not be scandalized by what we see. We see them for what they are and invite the Lord into it. Um, so I think that can be like one of our temptations is to um, hide. I think another one of our temptations is to just throw up our hands and be like, I don't know what to do. Like, this is just the culture that I live in. I don't know what to do. Um, I think that another one of our tendencies, at least mine can be, like, I just kind of forget about it. I kind of forget about how other people live because I'm surrounded by people who know the Lord and love the Lord and call me on and all this stuff. And if I, I can choose to kind of close my eyes to what's going on. And the culture wants that. The culture lulls us to sleep, okay? The culture does not want Christians to be awake. The culture does not want Christians to be awake, to see what's going on. Um, I want to share a couple of things. Do you know that OSU just had a sex week on campus? Okay, so um, inside source, I found out about some of what was said there. Do you know that now it's common um, phrasing to say that a woman is not a pregnant woman, she is a woman who is pregnant, who has pregnancy, okay? That means that somebody would say to me that my son Jack was like a disease that I had an inconvenience that I had. Do you know that people are being told now that when a child is born, he's not a man or a woman, but he's diagnosed with a gender. And later on, he can say, I don't want to be that gender. Um, Late-term abortions are happening. And um, the way that they mask that from not sounding like, well, that child actually has a heartbeat, they say, it has a cardiac flutter, okay? This is like real stuff. This is real stuff. Do you know that the people in your classes are addicted to pornography? Do you know that the people in your classes are alcoholics? Do you know that the people in your classes are addicted to sex, okay? This is real. This is real, and I think we can say, like, they're too far gone, or like, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to love them or to share Jesus with them. Okay, but we are. We know the Lord. Do we know that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> On this battlefield, um, we're medics. We're medics of joy and of purpose. 
Okay, so that battlefield, it's one of loneliness, addiction, isolation, individualism, relativism, misunderstandings of Christ and his church, hostility towards Christian values. That's the battlefield that we're in. That's the battlefield we're in. But we are Christians. We are Christians. We're more than conquerors. So that means that we can wake up every morning and say, Lord, how can I love today? Where can I love today? Where can I share my testimony? How can I share my testimony? Who? Who do you have for me, Lord? Who do you have for me, Lord? In SBO, we're called to the front lines. And the heart of that means that we are called to meet, to walk with, and to live with other people at their points of conflict. Ah, we're called to meet with, walk with, and live with other people at their points of conflict. All right, my heart burns and breaks for all that stuff that I just said. And I think it's easy to be like, ah, but what do I do? Mother Teresa also is quoted to say, go home and love your family. Love the people right in front of you. That's the nitty gritty. Um, I think sometimes we can look at SPO or like, I experience this, like when other people find out what I do, like in SPO, it's like, oh, that sounds like different. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, so I live with, well, when I was in leading household, I live with students and um, I pray with them at 6.30 in the morning and we have meals together and just kind of like hang out with them a lot and um, we talk and we do fun things. I lead a small group, like all this stuff. Like it's not like glamorous by any means. <laughs> it's not like really very glamorous, but that's what actually attracted me to serve with SPO. Um, I saw different options um, of what I could do after I graduated. I really like giving talks, and there was one ministry that I was thinking about serving with that like gave awesome talks, and then you know they went and they gave a talk somewhere else, and they went and they gave a talk somewhere else. Like that would be a really cool lifestyle. And someone was talking to me, and they were like, "I don't think you would like that." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right. I want to be doing the follow-up. Like I'll give a talk, but like I want to be in relationship." I want to be walking with people in the nitty-gritty of their lives. Okay, so this calls us to go outside of our comfort zones. I think all of us have our comfort zones in mission. We all have our comfort zones in mission. But the Lord doesn't have like a set, I don't know, he does crazy things sometimes. Sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts you to do something that you're not comfortable with. Or that's not convenient. Okay, so we have to find both the people who are looking for us, yeah, who like are ready to like make a decision to follow Jesus, but we need to find the people who like don't want anything to do with us, right? We gotta go find those people. And it's not where we just like have a defined role. Like I know that I am helping to lead this thing in this event, and like that's how I know I'm gonna serve. Sometimes we have roles where we help lead and do those things, and that's really good. But this is not um, the only way that we're called to serve. Like, and I think that calls us outside of ourselves because that means, like, oh, I need to just like go talk to that person. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm just going to go say hi and welcome them, or go say hi to them and ask them about their dog on campus or whatever. 
Um, we're not always going to know exactly what our role is, exactly what is going to happen, exactly what our purpose is in those situations. But they will know us by our love, right? They will know we are Christian by our love. Brothers and sisters, they will know that we are Christian by our love, not our leadership roles, okay? My sister um, is eight years older than me. She's awesome. She's like such a good person. She hates Catholicism. She hates Christianity. She hates what I do. She actually really doesn't know very much about what I do because it's like a topic we don't talk about. She doesn't give a shit what I, like that I'm giving this talk right now. She doesn't care. That's not impressive to her. What she needs from me is me to love her and to like relate to her and to know how to relate to her, to ask her about her child, to... Um, pursue her, to pursue her and finding out what her interests are and to meet her there. We're like extremely different. But she's going to know me by my love, not the like things that I do, right? When you graduate, no one is going to care <laughs> that you like had X or Y roles in ministry. No one's going to care. They're not going to ask. They will not ask you about it but they're going to know that you love them because you're consistent with them, that you've committed to them. Okay, my, um, my husband, Joe, he works, uh, he's a welder. He works um, with a lot of blue-collar guys, and I think probably in any culture, work culture, there's a lot of, like, divorce, and there's a lot of this and that and all this stuff. And I remember when we were getting married, a lot of people were very, very skeptical and like, well, we'll see how long that lasts, and all this stuff. And I was like, Joe, I just think that you're not going to like win them over. We were talking about this. Like we're, he's not going to win them over by his eloquent words or whatever. He's actually going to win them over by a commitment, living a life over an extended amount of time, and a witness, sharing a witness over an extended amount of time. Okay. Sorry, last thing about um, relationships. Uh, I remember... Um, making time for relationships. I remember a student, a good friend of mine, she had um, an opportunity to serve in a particular way and she was like, Alyssa, I just don't want to do that. Like, I want to have space to have like, time to hang out with people and to spend with people and invest in girls. And I was like, yes, go do that. <laughs> so you have permission to do that. Okay, so mission on the front lines is broad. So when I'm talking about mission, I'm not just talking about like evangelical encounters, although that is important evangelistic encounters, outreach, all of that is important. But I'm also talking about we need to be on the front lines in our small groups. Both the ones that we're in and the ones that we lead, we need to be on the front lines for each other here. We need to be on the front lines in our households, in our classes, in our workplaces. Our mission is broad. Our mission within SPO is like really broad. <laughs> it's like everyone. And are we willing to go to them? Are we willing to go to them? I was just thinking about the people. You know, I was thinking about um, all of the different range of people that we all know and have interactions with every day. People in your classes, people in your workplaces, people that you always see on campus because you guys have classes at the same time. You never met them. You're not actually in the same class, but you see them every day. You know, all of those people, the people that you live with, are we going to meet them there? Are we going to meet them at their points of conflict? 
when they're making decisions for the Lord, are we going to walk with them there? Are we going to walk with them, bear with them? Are we going to meet them there in the long haul, in the nitty-gritty, when you don't see any fruit, when they ghost your texts, when you'd rather do something else besides talking to them, when they call you at a really inconvenient time, or when they're only free, like the one time you wanted to do this really particular thing, and they, ah, that's when they can hang out. Are we willing to meet them there? Are we willing to meet the people who need to know that Jesus Christ wins the victory? And even within our own community, are we willing to make the time for each other? Brothers and sisters, let's make the time to be with each other. You have time. I promise, you have time. You can spend it on each other. You can waste it on each other. You'll never, ever regret it. And that's, I know that that's like harder than I'm just saying. I know that sometimes it's not reciprocated. I know that sometimes it's uncomfortable. I know that sometimes um, there's just tensions there and relationships and all of that. But it's worth it. It's worth pursuing each other. It's worth investing each other. This isn't a one-size-fits-all type of mission either. All, all of us are needed. All of us are needed. And my experience of coming to know the Lord and seeing other people come to know the Lord is that we don't lose our personality. We don't lose who we are when we come to follow Jesus. We become more of who we are. And Jesus needs that. We need that in our community. I need that. I need you to be who you are. This life is a life of adventure. Okay, I was, when I heard Brother Clinton's talk, I was like, I live the adventure. Like, I, like, I could do it more, but like, my life is really ordinary. Okay, <laughs> I like work part-time for SPO and I stay at home a lot. And today, I can't tell you how many times I was like spit on and like toppled over by my son and like read the same book again and again and like all this stuff like okay I made dinner I got ready I got ready in the bathroom because Jack my son I had to hide from him <laughs> so I got like contact solution all over my piece of paper <laughs> my life is really ordinary um, but it's really I love my life I love my life I love my life in the Lord because the Lord has given purpose to every single thing that I do um, G.K. Chesterton has a quote that says, the most extraordinary thing in the world is an ordinary man and an ordinary woman and their ordinary children. I would like say that he probably would also say the most extraordinary thing in the world is an ordinary man and an ordinary student in their ordinary places on campus. Like, you do ordinary things, you go to class, but it can be ex extraordinary with Christ. All right, we don't have to go to these faraway places or think to the future about when our life will be awesome and when we're going to serve the Lord, all this stuff. We're serving the Lord. We can serve the Lord right now. All right, so the mentality that we need to have on the front lines, I broke this down into three things. There's probably more, but number one is focused. We need to be rooted in the why. All right, we're all millennials here, and I think like one thing that millennials are all about is like, I'm not going to do something if I don't know why I'm doing it. All right, so for better or worse, we need to be rooted in that why. We need to be rooted in the why, and the why is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's our goal. That's our call. Jesus Christ has called us, and he is the victor. All right, Jesus Christ called us. John 15 says, Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a vine cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. All right, so we have to be rooted in our purpose, in our mission, who has called us, Jesus has called us. So we need to be attached to the vine always. And we need to be focused on the fact that Jesus is the Lord. All right, we just have fan into flame and we declare Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus is the Lord, right? So that means when Paul says, Paul says in Romans, and this is true, no, in all things we conquer overwhelmingly through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. He called us and he is the victor. And that means this mission, our mission as Christians, not even just an SPO, but our mission as Christians is not a mission of anxiety or doing more but it's of being, it's of knowing our identity as sons and daughters, receiving that from the Lord and spilling that forth, being motivated by that love to share it. Okay, in the trenches, no one is lukewarm. No one is lukewarm in the trenches. Let's be hot. (laughs) Let's not be lukewarm, let's be hot. (laughs) Let's embrace, embrace it, let's embrace it. Let's embrace that adventure. Let's embrace what's uncomfortable and let's commit with our whole life. Let's not be half-assed Christians. Let's just commit with our whole life. That does not mean that we won't sin. That does not mean that we're always going to know what we're doing. That does not mean that you're going to live it out perfectly all the time. You're not. (laughs) I'm not. I don't. But our heart can be all in. Our heart can be all in. And there... When we're hot, when we're all in, there's abiding joy and there's purpose. We can be motivated by the urgency that we see on campus. All right, so the goal is that many may have relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and that they may live a life transformed by that. All right, focused. The second is united. The next formation talk is going to be a talk on community, um, but I'm going to like... Just set the stage a little bit for community. So we need to be united. The world needs community. We need community. I need community. We need camaraderie. If we're going to be on the front lines, we need camaraderie with one another. For a couple reasons. One of those reasons, I want to be surrounded by people who are going to show up. I want to be surrounded by people who are going to show up. The world is going to ask us to compromise. I want to be surrounded by people who won't compromise. Those are the people I want to run with. Those are the people I want to run with. Sometimes I'm going to want to compromise. And I'm going to look to my brothers and sisters around me and say, they're not. (laughs) 
I'm going to go with them. I want to be uh, with the best. Okay, so um, I've seen Band of Brothers. It's really awesome. And um, <laughs> I know it's like a prerequisite to be a man in household, to see Band of Brothers. It's awesome. I mean, it's actually amazing. So um, Dick Winters, he leads uh, the men in the 101st, what is it called? 101st, Easy Company. Okay, right. Easy Company. He leads them. When he signed up to be in the Army, he said, I want to be with the paratroopers because they are the best of the best. If I'm going to war, I want to be with the best of the best. May that be our mentality. I want to be with the best of the best. We're at war. We're in a battle. We're in this spiritual battle, and I want to be surrounded by brothers and sisters who are going to show up for me. I want to be surrounded by brothers and sisters who aren't going to compromise. I can't do this as a lone wolf. I can't do this on my own. We're not called to be lone wolves. We're called to be a pack. John was telling me about this documentary. I didn't watch it, um, but it's called Restipo. And there's these soldiers who went to Afghanistan who are interviewed after coming back, and they have a really hard time engaging in society again because their bond with their brothers that they fought with was so strong. And he, John has had this awesome image, like, may it be so with us that we would have such a powerful bond with our brothers and sisters and that we would be so, um, like, given in the mission that like to not have a mission or to not have brothers and sisters would just be like horrible to us. Mission fosters deep relationships with one another. But our community is not just for us. Our community is not just for us. It's a crucial part of the way SPO does mission. It is a crucial part of the way SPO does mission. Our community is for campus. Our community is for our brothers and sisters in our classes, in our whatever, wherever we are. It's for them. Okay, so I think it can be easy to say, what am I getting out of this? Is this really benefiting my life to like be a part of this community or whatever? I think that you will probably become more discontent the more that you ask that question. If you ask the question, how can I serve? How can I love? There's only going to be more love. There's only going to be more love. I experience this a lot in my life, like, oh, I just feel like I'm giving more than I'm receiving or, like, whatever. And someone told me once, like, who cares? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, annoying, but... Actually, yeah. Who cares if I love first? Who cares if I serve more? I'm probably not. That's probably my pride. But who cares if I feel that way? I'm just going to love. There's just going to be more love. So in order for our community to be a witness to others, to exist for others, we got to be ready to serve. And our community has to be so that it begs the question, what do they have that I don't have? What is going on in that community? I remember um, one of like Antioch's first tailgates, uh, one of the men brought a friend, and the friend was like, what is going on here? <laughs> he was like, the men like actually treat the women night like well. 
and like the women are just having fun and they're dancing. Like there was just something different about what that man was seeing that begged him to ask the question, why? What is going on here? What is different here? If our community is not looking different, if our relationships and community don't look different, what are we doing? I remember talking to a girl and she was like, yeah, um, you know, I've kind of had like a falling out with my roommate and we haven't talked in like three weeks. And I was like, I can't even imagine that happening in household. I can't even imagine that. But if we're not fighting for our relationships, that could happen. Okay, so if our relationships with one another and the, what our community does, like what we do, if we don't look like Christians, if we don't look a bit different, what are we doing? We still need to be on the front lines. We still need to meet people where they're at. But we need to be different. And we, it needs to be attractive, right? It needs to be attractive. I remember, this is just an example of um, a community serving. Uh, when I first came in SPO, I didn't come up through SPO on my campus, and um, I knew like one person, I didn't know anybody actually at training. And I came to training and met all these new people, and they welcomed me so well. They welcomed me so, so well. And I remember one of the things that stood out to me the most that I remember to this day was being like, with these people for a couple of days. And I remember asking one of the girls, I was like, are people like, are there like certain like people who are really close friends or like, is there, surely there's somebody who's gotta be like dating here or like married or whatever. I literally could not tell from being in the environment. I could not tell who was best friends or who was dating or who was married or whatever. She was like, yeah, yeah, there are. But in this environment, they want to serve you, and they want to meet you. They want to serve the whole community. And they were so outward-facing that like, you couldn't even tell. They had rich relationships with one another, but I was just welcomed in. There was no distinction. Nobody was off in the corner doing their own thing. And I just remember be that being the moment I was like, yeah, that, this is what I want. Like That's radical. I am loved by that, and like people need that. I've never seen this before in my whole life. Like, that is amazing. That's radical. That's so different. So our community needs to look different, be attractive, be for others, and be welcoming. All right. And we also need to be generous. I hope you appreciate what I put on this outline. Emily's mad at me. I just couldn't not. All right, so <laughs> one of the Marines Battalion, their motto is whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I remember um, Fort Zion a few years ago, like that was like their motto. They just lived by like, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for our brothers. It was awesome. The U.S. Air Force motto is these things we do so that others may live. Wow. Wow. And Emily told me one time... <laughs> <laughs> Last summer, she said, my life is more full when I am more generous. That has, like, I've just taken it. I just want that to be my motto. My life is more full, more abundant when I am more generous. Okay, so we, we need to do whatever it takes. Why? So that others may live. How? When I am more generous. 
I wanted to share a couple of stories of generosity. I love hearing glory stories like this. That was awesome. I also love hearing stories about ways that people in the community were generous with one another. Because it's usually like secret, like they, people aren't doing stuff for attention. But then when you find out like, that person did that for that person, like that's amazing. Like I want to do stuff like that. Um, so I want to share just a couple of stories. I asked a few people earlier, I said, what's like some of the most radical stuff that you've seen, ways that people have loved each other? Um, Anna was sharing one time, she lived in household and um, she was gluten-free and one of her roommates bought two weeks worth of like expensive gluten-free groceries for her without being asked. Joe Boganski told me that earlier this week, Nathan, Nathan um, changed his tire, his tire was flat, changed it without asking, telling Joe that it was flat, changed his tire and said, hey, you had a flat tire, it's not flat anymore. <laughs> That's like hours to do, unasked. I know men who have given up alcohol to walk with their brothers who have struggled with alcoholism. Um, there's a couple of families that I know, uh, alumni of SPO. Um, the husband, they have five kids. They had just had their fifth kid. They had just started an um, addition on their house. And the husband, Mike, he tore his ACL. And it was like... Lord, protect their family. Um, there's another family who came over to their house. I mean, so many people had served them throughout that time. But one family came over to their house on Christmas Eve and cleaned their whole house and like served them and whatever they needed. They gave up precious time to serve this family. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it can even be something as simple as what John was saying last time we were here, how his buddy called him. He's in having a hard time, called them at an inconvenient time, and John answered. All right, there's stories of generosity. Oh, I think we could probably like all share stories of ways that we've seen our brothers and sisters serving each other. It's awesome. It's awesome. And actually, all of those things really cost those people something. It costs us something to be generous. It does. It costs us something to be generous. It costs us our comfort, <laughs> Our, pre our preference, our pride, it costs us our desire to like put up walls and say, no, don't come in. <laughs> it costs us our desire to brush things under the rug, to turn away, to not be inconvenienced. It costs us our desire to be complacent. It costs us what our time looks like. It costs us our ease. And it causes us to respond. Because walking with people at their points of conflict is a call to commitment. All right, that's a call for the long haul. Your relationships in college could be short, or they actually could be lifelong. Um, my husband is like constantly a witness to me of these lifelong friendships. He just has guys that he's been walking with for years and years and years, and a lot of them live across the country, and he just still maintains this deep relationship and deep brotherhood with them. It's really amazing. It's really amazing. That commitment, um, it costs us a sacrifice. You know, sometimes his buddies call him at inconvenient times when inconveniences me <laughs> as his wife. But we have to serve. I have to serve his brother like that, right? Because when we do this, when we are generous, when we are making these sacrifices, 
our life really will be more full, more abundant. And actually our time might be more full too. It's going to be full of time with each other. In the margins, in the time that we want to protect, it's just going to be full. And that's a good thing, and it's only possible because of Christ. It's only possible because of Christ. This community takes sacrifice, and it takes wasting our time on each other. I'm almost done here. I did want to share this too. When we're more generous, I really do believe that the Lord blesses us. I think that it's very easy um, to, to just be inward, to just be inward. And my experience has been that the more that I'm feeling like off or the more I'm feeling overwhelmed or busy, the more I just want to turn in and protect our time and not do things for other people, not spend time with other people. And Joe has always called me and us in our marriage to be more generous in those times, times that we felt off even as a family or whatever, we have somebody over for dinner. And usually, always, always, that is like, the problem was actually within me. I was just looking inward and I was not looking outward. So we need to look outward. We need to look outward as individuals. We need to look outward as a community. Uh, We need to see those front lines. We need to be aware of what they are, who those people are. We need to be ready to make choices for the Lord in our own points of conflict. We need to be ready to be right there next to our brothers and sisters as they're making those decisions. I want to share, um, just end with some encouragement. This life, a life poured out, a life on mission is worth it, both here and in heaven. After Jesus gave the beatitude, which is like a hard teaching, (laughs) he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. He's not just like saying that. Rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. In Galatians, it says, let us not grow tired of doing good. For in due time we shall reap our harvest if we do not give up. In 1 Corinthians 2, it says, But as it is written, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and what has not entered the human heart, what God has prepared for those who love him. Our life can be full of joy and blessing and purpose and richness here and now because we know that Jesus has risen from the dead. We know that Jesus has conquered sin. And I can't even imagine what God has prepared for us in heaven. I want to take a minute um, for you on your own to just dream. Dream for a minute. Dream for a minute. How can I live a life that begs the question why? These questions are on your outline. How can I help build up the community into an environment that begs the question why? How can I take a step in meeting someone at their point of conflict? Who is that person? Lord, bring to mind, who is that person? Who are those people that you want me to walk with, that you want me to commit to, that you want me to walk with in the long haul? Who are those people? So let's just take a couple minutes to do that, and then we'll worship.